Well, as I often said, that music can only mean one thing. It's time for another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Welcome, everybody. We haven't been on in a while. We've been uh, trying to get ourselves together for Las Vegas. Um, We've been uh, doing things like that. Uh, We've been in, uh, oh, I should announce this right now. We are now found on iHeartRadio. So if you are listening to us on another platform and you listen to iHeartRadio and you're thinking to yourself, why isn't the Core Extra Podcast on iHeartRadio? Well, now we are, as of uh, two days ago. So you can go to iHeartRadio, search for the Core Extra Podcast, or yell that into your Alexa or, or whatever the smart device, and you'll find us right there. Uh, you'll notice I'm here by myself today. I'm, I'm here at the poolside location. The poolside location of the Core Extra Studios. I'm in our in the Core Extra Cabana, which some of you have seen. Um, and I'm by myself today because Steve is on assignment, looking up some other things in another part of the city, and he's getting things together for our um, our trip, which is uh, about a month away, a month from yesterday. As you can hear in the background, the kids are in the pool, so um, you have to excuse that if you can even hear it. So, as it says, today I'm going to tell you about my take on Quentin Tarantino's latest film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Saw it the other day. Steve and I totally disagree on it, which I will get into. Um, He has a take. I have a take. We usually like the same things, or pretty much the same things. He he was watching Bambi growing up while I was watching Godzilla, but that's about where our... um, our taste kind of kind of split and then and then uh, get back together later. But our take on this is different, so I'm going to give you my take, and I'm going to leave it up to Steve to give you his take, and I'll give you a little bit of his, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so as you know, Quentin Tarantino has released his ninth film. He says he's only doing ten, uh, and he says his tenth may be a horror film. Um, I personally hope not, but we'll see what happens. His ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood tells a story of an aging star who is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and his uh, ever-faithful stunt double played uh, very well by Brad Pitt. Both of these guys are very well in this film. Both of them do very well in this film, particularly DiCaprio. Um, I don't know. um, I, I think DiCaprio is underrated. Uh, and most of the things he does, I mean, he has varied uh, roles. Of course, he won the Oscar for Revenant. And, uh, but from Departed to, um, what was that one? Uh, uh, the one where, um, oh, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. I, I can't remember it. I should have looked it up. But I'm going off the top of my head. I can't remember the film, but I really loved it. I loved it so much I can't remember the name, <laughs> the name of it. But... Um, DiCaprio's good, and he's really good in this. And Brad Pitt is good, too, in all fairness. Um, And they pretty much carry the story. So it's 1969. It's in Hollywood. Uh, DiCaprio is uh, starting to age a little bit, feeling like he's a has-been. His his, uh, stunt double is Brad, like I say, Brad Pitt, and he's ever faithful and ever loyal to uh, DiCaprio, and and they just have to navigate their way through Hollywood that's starting to change, you know, Hollywood's starting to change, 
And problem number one I have with it is set in the backdrop of the uh, Manson family. So they kind of uh, get involved a little bit with the Manson family and chaos ensues. That's basically the film without me telling you shot by shot and ruining it for you. So what did I think of it? In stark contrast to Steve, I didn't like it at all. To me, it just it just didn't do it for me. There's several reasons that I will get into right now. Okay, reason number one. In my now, these are just just my take. My take number one is Tarantino had a good story to work with. The stuntman and the actor navigating through Hollywood trying to stay relevant, trying to um, still support themselves. Uh, it's a big difference between uh, how they live and which even highlighted uh, even more of how good friends they were. I mean, Pitt doesn't feel like uh, he's inferior at all to uh, DiCaprio, even though their living arrangements are starkly different. Um Good story. A good story to work with. So many options to work with. So Tarantino, being Tarantino, decides he is going to inject some chaos into it. Now, I don't really have a problem with that because I'm a Tarantino fan. I like Quentin Tarantino. Um, I kind of dropped off at Django Unchained and Hateful Eight. I didn't care for those too much because I think they lacked imagination. And I think that Tarantino was just showing off in those in those films. And that's what happens in this one. Instead of injecting that chaos with some more fictional characters, he decides to inject it with real-life characters. I saw no reason for that. I think he could have told the story just as well and put it on a different street. It doesn't have to be the street where Sharon Tate and uh, J.C. Bring and Wojciech were killed. doesn't have to be Abigail Folger as well. It doesn't have to be that street. It could be another street. Okay? But no, he puts it on that street and turns the movie about three quarters of the way in into a docudrama. Um, I didn't see the reason for that. Uh, I didn't see the reason for dragging up yet again Charles Manson. Um, luckily, Manson's only in one or two scenes. Um for people who lived through that era, um, I just, I just didn't feel the reason for man for me to be in 2019 to still be looking at Charles Manson on the screen. You know what I mean? That being said, it wasn't a total deal breaker for me, but I just didn't see the reason behind it. I didn't see the reason behind veering from a good story, a good solid foundation to tell. And veering off into a hour-by-hour recount of the Tate murders. Now, number the other reason that I I, uh, didn't like this film was the alternate take that Tarantino put on the film. I'm not going to get into details because some of you haven't seen it. I'm assuming, but he kind of alters the ending much like he did in Inglorious Bastards with uh, Hitler being killed in the movie theater. 
Now, I don't even have a big problem with that. But I think in this film, Tarantino has to decide. Is he going to tell a fictional story of a stuntman and a aging actor? Or is it going to be a docudrama? Or is it going to be an alternate universe where something happens that didn't really happen? I don't think you can put all three in the same movie effectively. You can put them all in there. But I don't think it's effective, or at least the way he did it, it wasn't effective. And it just kind of spoiled the whole movie for me. Now, Steve, on the other hand, kind of thought the ending of the film was a twist. And he and I had this long discussion about what's a twist in a film. And even where he read me the... um, (laughs) the definition of a twist in a film. Okay, forget about that. Here's the bottom line. You can't just alter history and real events and call that a twist. For me, for me personally, my take, that's not a twist. That's just an alternate universe that you're creating, which isn't a twist in a film. For me, a twist in a film was like in Memento or... Or, of course, Sixth Sense. Or even The Village by M. Night. Um, That was even a twist. And there's thousands of other movies that had real twists in them. But you can't just make a movie about the, the Tate murders, change the ending, and then say, oh, that's a big twist. Because it's not. All you're doing is creating an alternate universe. Which, if you want to do that, just create one throughout the film with a bunch of fictional characters is a lot easier. You don't even have to bring up real people. All right. So the next thing is Tarantino, to me, seems to be more involved with putting his his trademarks or his stamps on these films. What, what am I talking about? Well, of course, if you're a Tarantino fan, you know you're going to get a scene from the back seat of the car, and you're going to have to watch this car drive through traffic for half the movie. Of course, I'm exaggerating, but that's what it feels like. There is a scene when Brad Pitt leaves DiCaprio's house and drives to his own house. And I'm telling you, I don't know how far that is in California for real, but it felt like I drove watch or watched somebody drive the actual mileage. I just didn't see the value in me watching Brad Pitt drive across half of California. Again, that's an exaggeration, but you get my point. I don't need to see that. I don't, it didn't add any value to the film to me. Maybe for the Tarantino people, the hardcore fans, they love it. So that's why he does it. And what else is he going to do? Well, of course, some woman has to walk around barefoot. He he must have this thing with bare feet women. And there's a scene in a movie theater that's and and look before I even before I even get into it, there's a scene in a movie theater with a woman with bare feet. Okay, that's not so bad. But the bad part is why do I, well why is it there? Why is that there other than Tarantino can say, oh look, I'm cool. I'm putting my trademark stamp on the film. You know what I mean? That's how it came across to me. And the fact that this person was a real person didn't help. Um, And the other thing about real people, of course, by now, you've all heard about the controversy with the scene with Bruce Lee 
the Bruce Lee and 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 uh, Arnie, you know, the actor playing Bruce Lee and Brad Pitt's character. Um, you probably, if you haven't heard, just Google Bruce Lee's daughter, and you can read her take on it. And I agree with her take 100%. That scene could have been just as effective if it was another actor, even another martial artist, or even even if it was a bigger guy that was a stuntman. I didn't see the value in putting Bruce Lee himself into this role and have this actor play a role that Bruce Lee, by all accounts, would have never been involved in. Again, that's creating the alternate universe, but just create that universe with fictional characters. And to me, it didn't add any value uh, to the film, except, of course, to show you how tough Brad Pitt's character was. But there was plenty of other times to do that in the film. Okay, so just do it there. I don't know why we have to have this mesh of real live uh, people and characters. It's for me, again, this is all just for me. Okay, and again, I'm, I got to tell you again while you're listening, I have to say, I'm not a Tarantino basher. I mean, he doesn't bother me. I mean, I like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. I even liked Inglorious Bastards. You know, I didn't see a big problem with that, um, except for the, the quotation marks, the air quotes uh, twist at the end. I just didn't see a big reason for it, but okay. It's all right. I liked it better than I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, speaking of Tarantino stamps, uh, of course you get very, very good soundtrack. Uh, he likes to dig back, go back, and put in some songs that you probably have forgotten about in some instances. Uh, so he plays a lot of good music. Soundtrack's good. Of course, the sound itself is good. The dialogue is good. Uh, he's good at that. I bet a lot of people, I bet a lot of you listening don't know this, but Tarantino did uh, on-set rewrites for a great movie called Crimson Tide with with Denzel Washington and uh, Gene Hackman. And if you've never seen that, go back and find that. It's Crimson Tide. And uh, when you hear the dialogue in that, and when you hear the pacing and the dialogue, and and even the way the, the, the camera kind of handles the dialogue, you'll see, you can see Tarantino's stamps on that because he's good at that. He's good at that banter. Or I shouldn't say banter because it would be you know, unimportant conversations, but... But just check that out. He was a young guy then, kind of doing his thing, and he did some on-set rewrites with uh, Denzel Washington and and Gene Hackman. One thing that was missing in this Tarantino film, I didn't. It wasn't laced with profanity and and uh, racial insults, uh, which I was kind of surprised at. Um, I thought it'd be in 1969 that he would. Being Tarantino, he would uh, dip his toe into that uh, pool, but he did not. He, he really didn't. It was um, surprisingly subdued in that area. Um, and that, that wouldn't sway me one way or the other. I was just surprised at it, that uh, he, did, he didn't go down that road. But uh, So overall, for me, I would say that the Tarantino fans are going to love it because... Um, much like I'm biased towards some films, there are some uh, people that are biased towards his films. Like Steve said, he would go back and see it again. 
And uh, when this movie finally lands on Showtime or FX, I probably won't watch it again. I've only seen Hateful Eight once, and I've only seen Django Unchained once. Um, so the one thing that Steve Steve brought up when we were talking, he said, uh, you know, this scene was good, that scene was good. And what about that scene? And I bring that up because that's what I felt when I was watching it. When I was watching the movie in the theater uh, with my uh, Propel water that I smuggled in because I've decided that I'm never paying $5 for 75 cents worth of Coca-Cola. So anyway, on my second bottle of Propel water that's available at a dollar store near you, I was sitting there thinking that some of these scenes are good. And Tarantino seems to in this film anyway, he's has a bunch of decent scenes, but when he stitches them all together, it doesn't flow. And that is, and quite honestly, even in some of the movies that I liked, I felt I was jumping from scene to scene with Tarantino. Even some that I liked. Um, and this one really, it really kind of, really kind of bothered me. Yeah. And then he just seems like uh, we get to watch DiCaprio filming a movie okay we get to watch him filming a movie and those scenes went on so long you almost felt like you were in that movie and they seemed like they felt like it seems like it went on so long just so you could fill some time and i thought to myself i was thinking when i was watching it instead of me watching dicaprio film his film within a film we could be doing other things to drive the plot Okay, of course, I'm not a director. I'm just a fan. But I just felt like some of those scenes fell flat and uneven. Um, There's a scene where uh, Brad Pitt's character goes to the Spawn Ranch. And I would just say this about that. The scene builds to a climax. However, it, it goes on way too long. Way too long. The scene could have been cut in half and been even more effective to me. And that might just be a matter of taste. But as that scene was dragging on, I was just thinking, oh, my God. You know, this is is like watching another movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then even when Margot Robbie's character goes to the movie theater, I mean, come on. I mean, that that went on way too long. Again, just for me. So when I start looking at the time that the movie, uh, the, the running time of the movie, I thought if I could edit out all of the driving scenes and edit out all of the um, long, drawn-out scenes, you'd have, a decent, you'd have a decent time on the film. You know, so for me, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just didn't cut it for me. Um, if this is truly his next to last film, I'm going to be interested to see what his last film is. Um, there was some talk. He used to talk about going back to Kill Bill. He used to talk about taking, remember in Kill Bill, Vivica Fox's character had a daughter. And he was going to take the daughter and film her as she aged 
and then have a movie with her, the actual actress, with her getting revenge on the assassins. He talked about that when uh, Kill Bill came out. Uh, obviously, I don't know if he did that, or I don't know if, it's, if he's even going to go back to Kill Bill. Uh, like I said in the beginning, he says he wants to do a horror movie. But if it's a horror movie, I can only hope that this horror movie is an original and he gives an original story uh, not you know smothered by real events and then change the real events and if he does try to pull that trick in a horror picture I'd be interested to see how he does it now some of you might be thinking well isn't that what happened in the conjuring well I don't know enough about the real story of The Conjuring. Uh, I read a little bit about it uh, at the time, uh, but I didn't retain it. Uh, I liked The Conjuring. I liked The Conjuring Universe. Uh, Maybe if I knew more about it, about the um, real story in The Conjuring, maybe I would feel differently. I don't know. But uh, for me, The Conjuring almost feels like fiction, even though it's based on... on, um, real events and I think that's the difference this wasn't necessarily based on real events when it comes to the Manson family it it was the recounting of events with a change at the end Um, so I think that's still a little different and speaking of that going back to that uh, there's been a lot of talk in the uh, on Twitter and Facebook social media about the gruesomeness of the final final scene, particularly with one actress in particular. And I didn't really have a problem with that. I don't, you know, again, Tarantino has his issues, and I think with some of the things that have come out about him and how he treats women on the set, anything that happens with a woman in there, in his his films, he's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to carry that water, you know. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of gruesome just because I'm a horror fan, I've seen a lot of gruesome things, and I didn't necessarily take it back to a misogynistic uh, view from the director. However, now Tarantino, you know, he has to he has to own up to some of the things he's uh, admitted to and been accused of. So maybe people would view uh, that last scene in a different way. Um, the thing is about scenes, you never really know. You never really know. Of course, the director and the writer, which he is both, have final say, but you never really know how much input came out about, well, let's do it this way, let's do it that way, or, or let's do this, or, or, you know, I just read about this story where this happened, let's put it in there. Uh, I mean, that happens all the time. Um, so, but he has to carry it. You know, he has to carry it. He has to, he has to own up to it. He has to be responsible for it. Um, but again, it wasn't that bad for me. I kind of liked the way it unfolded. I just wish it would have been with fictional characters. And if you see it, uh, maybe you'll feel the same way. Or maybe you'll at least appreciate my take on it, you know? So in, in, in summary, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just wasn't for me. Uh, you know, you can't say it's a bad movie, but it just wasn't for me. So in the beginning, I said, is Crawl a better film than, than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And here's the deal with that. If you go to see a certain movie, you have a level of expectations, okay? Uh, 
So if I go to see a movie by Quentin Tarantino, a two-time Academy Award winner, uh, who I know can write, who I know can direct, and who I know has a different point of view for things, my expectations are at one point. If I go to see a film about a bunch of alligators uh, attacking people during a, a major storm or hurricane and the people are trapped in the house and one of the people are trapped in the house is a championship swimmer, well, I kind of know what's going to go on and my expectation, expectations are at one level. You know, It's kind of like going to a restaurant and ordering filet and going to a restaurant the next day and ordering a hamburger. Well, is a bad filet better than a great hamburger? I don't know. Maybe the hamburger delivered. You know, and in this instance, Crawl delivered. It delivered everything I was expecting. I had a few laughs. There was a few ridiculous things in it. Um, The dialogue wasn't bad. The pacing wasn't bad overall. Got a little slow in spots. Spots. Um, what ended up happening wasn't bad. The, the characters made smart decisions. So it delivered. For me, once upon a time in Hollywood didn't deliver because my expectations were at a certain level. So I would just say this. If you're going out to have a good time at the movies, go see Crawl. If you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, you're probably going to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Bad filet, great hamburger. Which one do you pick? I'm going with the great hamburger, and that would be Crawl. And I can't can't wait for Crawl too, because <laughs> trust me, it's going to be a Crawl too, you know. And then that's the truth. You can count on that. And, of course, the alligator, you know, is loosely relative of Godzilla. So, there you go. All you have to do is show up, and I'm in, right? (laughs) Right. So, that's my take. Crawl is a better deal than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino swung and missed. Crawl, and they probably hit a double and stretched it to a triple, which is better than the Cincinnati Reds can do, trust me. But that's my take. And so what I'm going to do now is uh, I'm going to give Steve the chance. Uh, I'm going to talk to him later. I'm going to give him a chance. If he wants to put his rebuttal up, he can. But this is my take on Quentin Tarantino. And still, Crawl is the best fun I've had at the movies this year. Now, there's, there's some room. Crawl could be taken over. But who knows, right? Hey. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Keep listening. Find us on iHeartRadio. Find us anywhere you find podcasts. And thanks for listening. I'll talk to everybody soon.